When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yo, yo. When I spit bars in a rave, I'm gonna go hard like Santan. Welcome, welcome uh, to another new Spurs Order pod under the Touchline Fracker banner. We're on a take two this evening. I'll be a host, X-Pac, and uh, I'll be joined with my lovely co-host, Booker T. How are you Yo, doing, sir? What's going on? Sorry, man. Just a few technical technical issues there. <laughs> um, but yeah, always good. Always good to be on. Uh, yeah, all good, man. No, it was the benefit of that. I heard you and your um, beautiful voice going on for a few minutes. And then um, as you went on a bit of a tangent five minutes in, it just happened to cut you off. It's like the the masses don't want to... They try to counsel you. But <laughs> no, we're back. Yeah. And uh, the, the voices shall be heard. Um, so, yeah. Um, let's see, it feels like ages... Again, since we've actually played a game, but um, we'll see we get into it. There's a lot of football that's been played since our game, um, which has unfortunately gone against us. Um, now we're off the back of two games now without a shot on target. Our last game being away to Brentford, nil-nil draw, no shots on target. Uh, but yeah, let's get into it. Uh, we only had one change from the lineup, uh, which saw Regulon who. Look to be out of form, and he is. No doubt about that. He's had a bit of a drop-off again, but um, it's been coming out recently that he's been struggling on and off with an injury. So Sessegnon came in against Brentford, having just come back from an injury himself. And, um, yeah, Tops, what did you think of the lineup? and um, I guess how the kind of first half broke down for you? Yeah, like... Um... I thought the lineup was kind of as it as it would be. Um, he doesn't seem to favour Reglon at the moment, so uh, to have Sessignon as as another option is always good. Um, and maybe it was just offering something different to what Reglon was. Um, so you know, pretty much apart from that, that was the that was 
the team that he's been putting out for the last sort of three, four weeks. Uh, with regards to the beginning of the game, I just felt we I felt like we started well. We looked like we we had gone into the game with some sort of impetus, like we wanted to try and, you know, quickly get into the game, maybe get a quick start. Um, and we almost seemed to kind of, uh, it looked like we were, we were reveling in sort of that atmosphere um, at Brentford. Uh, but after that sort of early period, um, it was pretty much all, it was pretty much all Brentford, to be honest with you. Um, it was very difficult for us to kind of create anything. Um, it was very difficult for us to kind of piece uh, sort of um, any sort of play together. Uh, and Brentford were were very smart in how they used um, lots of set pieces uh, to cause lots of problems for us. So it was an okay start, but uh, then uh, the form that we've kind of had in the last sort of couple games kind of reverted. And um, yeah, in the end, we ended up playing at, you know, what was quite a lucky draw, to be honest. Yeah, it was... Um... It was a funny half. Like the intensity definitely increased from uh, from the Brighton game. Um, we obviously by by design looked to invite some more pressure on. I thought um, from open play they they didn't seem a threat to be honest, especially down the right hand side. But again, um, I was with it. Like if you invite pressure on, obviously we're better against teams who leave space in behind by by coming on to us so that that made sense to me um that did make sense but yeah obviously the amount of set pieces we can see these happy on edge the way we didn't adapt to Ivan Tony's um peeling off the back post didn't put me at ease either obviously I think Hugo Doris had a very good half and he had to um and obviously, we looked to try and be brave with the ball. I didn't think midfield was a problem like it was against Brighton. Like, we seemed to be able to play until we got the ball to Harry Kane, um, who had a very poor half. Again, I think he only retained the ball once. Um, looked Honestly, it, it, it might even sound harsh, but it looked to me like Shades of Bruno. Um, shades of Bruno in that first half where he was just always like, ah, I'm going to try and get that Hollywood ball off. Um, or I'm going to hold on to the ball and try and dribble past one or two. Um, almost like a Moussa Dembele dribble, which he can do, to be fair. But it, it just wasn't coming off. Didn't want to um, use any of the easy options. And um, to be fair, they were really on. Um, I didn't feel like the wing-backs attack space really that well at all. Um, obviously, I know um, every, everyone obviously touches upon Emerson, and rightly so. Um, let's see, nicknamed Hermes Delivery, and now it's been rebranded to every wing-back and full-back is, uh, is probably better than him in the league on the right side. Um, but again, like I, I could see why he would have been useful in defensive phases, especially with Mbuemo combining with Tony and Ericsson down that side. You need someone who's going to hold it 1v1, where down there, right? I can't even remember the name of the guy I was playing. It was Jensen, I think. I think it was Jensen. That's a center back, I thought. 
Um, I could be wrong, though. I could be wrong. As I say, I have no idea what this guy's name was. But honestly, I thought Sessegnon I was probably more disappointed in, for me personally. Um, and I'll say that because he's used to the role. At Hoffenheim, he he was actually quite well known for being able to dominate his flank quite well. He was the only player down that side in a diamond shape. And he's more than happy to usually attack space in behind. I mean, even if you're timid on the ball, at least try and stretch the defence. But he wasn't really doing that. And again, yeah, timid off the ball, timid on the ball. It was poor all round. But what did you make of the, the wing-back situation? Yeah. With Cessna, I, I don't really know anymore, to be honest with you. Like... I just feel that this is a player who is significantly lacking in any sort of um, confidence. Doesn't seem to trust his ability. Doesn't seem to trust his body. Um, and he's really had, a, I mean, a horrid t- sort of time as a Spurs player. But I don't think he's helped himself either. You know, like you said, having had, you know, previous somewhat experience playing at left wing back, you would hope that that would hopefully carry a bit better than maybe a, a, a regular would. At left wing back, but again, every time that he's played there, he's—I don't know—he's kind of flattered to deceive. You know, um, heavy touches, poor touches, poor execution in the final third, um, not really um, imposing defensively. I don't know. Like personally, I mean, people might say this is a bit crazy, but I—I just—I just don't think any of the four current wing backs are very good. I just think all of them. They have some sort of ability in some areas, but they just don't have exactly the kind of skill set that we need from a from a Conte wing back. Um, you know, if you take me on to on to Emerson Royale, there's there's lots about his game that I just I just I'm just not convinced about. I don't think he's amazingly defensively. I think he is a right back, not a right wing back. So he's really put himself out. You know, he's really putting himself out there. And all of his qualities, which I kind of believe would be suited to a right-back, are not qualities that are particularly good as a right-wing-back. Um, I don't believe he has the ability to, to beat a man. Um, he's, he's, like, not pressure... He's not pressure-resistant, press-resistant at all. So any sort of moment, if you put him in any kind of moment where he can lose the ball, nine times out of ten, he will. And then when he's in the attacking third, you don't have any sort of... Doesn't beat. He doesn't have the ability to beat a man. Doesn't have the ability to make an incisive pass. Doesn't really get into that many goal scoring opportunities. So then you often like you can see actually why lots of players. It seems that lots of the players seem to not even look his way. Even someone like Romero, um, who I, which I've said in the past, he's very good at this ability to disguise a pass just just through his his body shape. Um, and sometimes when he receives the ball onto his right foot, he doesn't even look to try and open his body up to Emerson because he probably feels he could either put him in trouble or if, if he gives it to Emerson, Emerson is very much likely to lose it and then we'll have to start that whole sort of automation again. But at this point, I mean, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're at the end of the season, five games left. We've just got to try and muddy through. But I don't know. I'm just not a fan of any of the four fullbacks. And I just don't think any of them can do the job that Conte wants them to do, in my opinion. I felt like there was one that was actually doing the job for Conte before he got injured against Aston Villa, but I don't feel the need to say his name. 
Um, but his output, <laughs> I mean, he actually seems to be missing it, which is a weird thing to be saying in 2022, five games to the end of the season. But yeah, he's, he's obviously not the only issue. Um, yeah, I felt a bit sorry for our centre backs as well uh, with the fullback situation because um, we we tend to um, actually find a lot of joy from being able to spread nice, accurate long passes over to the wing backs from the centre backs. But obviously, where they weren't really running in behind, we were trying to force the automation just for the, obviously the sake of it. And then a, a lot of the long balls over were were just aimless and. I'd say forced, especially from from Dyer. Um, I wouldn't say the execution of his passes was great either, but yeah, he wasn't helped by obviously us just not being in any kind of rhythm whatsoever. Um, but yeah, it was one of those first halves where no one was really doing anything from open play. Brentford obviously threatened more with their set pieces. Um, going into the second half, though, it actually looked like we were imposing ourselves a bit more um we looked to actually sustain a bit of pressure i thought but no how did you um how did you rate the second half especially going into what was conte's first substitution which was actually quite controversial to be fair um and quite is an understatement i i feel personally that that was probably one of his worst decisions um, since he's been the manager at Spurs um, since, what was it, like October or November. I just feel that, like, you know, in the position that we are uh, in terms of what we're, what we're trying to achieve for the end of the season against what is a mid-table team, although, they, you know, they are a decent sort of outfit at home and they make it difficult for sides who come there. I just don't know. It doesn't really sit well with me that we had attacking players in... Lucas in Bergwijn in Scarlet and his first port of call was to bring on Davis and Sanchez for Emerson Royale <laughs> I, 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 I don't know it, it does it does make the mind boggle a little bit as to what did he want to gain maybe he wanted us to have some form of like stability uh, because maybe the set pieces were causing lots of problems but then again I also think at that point in the game, which I think, what was it? It was something, I think it was in like the 70th minute mm. or something like this. Yeah, I think, um, I think Davison Sanchez came on for Sessegnon and then Ben Excuse Davis me. went left Excuse wing me, yeah. back. Uh, it just kind of felt like, okay, do you want to try and win the game? This is someone who says he's keen on, 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 on Bergwijn. He's spoken quite positively on Lucas Moura, like, I, I just felt like it wasn't really a positive, it really wasn't a positive um, substitution. And to be honest with you, when it did happen, the game kind of petered out. Like, to be fair, Ben Davies is, you know, he's fairly accomplished in the sense that he's played the role as well and he knows exactly what he kind of has to do. But then at that point, you're thinking we're, we're fifth, fourth, fifth in the league against a team who are, are quite happy to just you set pieces against us, wouldn't we want to try and win the game? Um, and I know he wouldn't want to set up to lose it, but at least trying to trying to win it. So I don't know, I was a bit questionable about that decision. I kind of felt that since he's been manager, that's probably one of, I don't know, I feel that's one of, been one of his worst decisions. I, I didn't really get it. 
and I feel like he didn't really he didn't really give us a, a decent explanation of it in his presser his post match presser as well. Yeah, what did you make of that? Because I think he said he wanted to bring on Davinson Sanchez, um, partly because he wanted us to have just a bit more height in the box for those yeah, set pieces. Yeah. Where um, maybe maybe the impetus should have maybe been maybe getting us more on the front foot, so we're not having to put ourselves in positions to be conceding free kicks in the half. But yeah, it was a weird one. Um, I could see the logic in putting Ben Davis left wing back though, because um, as I think we've both already alluded to, Sesson Young had a really poor game. Um, I can't remember if Regulon was on the bench or not, but again, the guy's struggling with injuries, so it's a bit okay. Ben Davis is having a good game. He, well, I thought he had a good game to be fair. I thought the centre backs held it throughout, but um. Yeah, it was it was a weird one, and then um, ironically, our best chance of the game, I think, obviously in the second half, when Emerson actually got down the byline and managed to cut it back for Kane. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think he snatched it. I thought he was going to let it kind of roll onto his left foot and then shoot, but I think he went to just shoot with his right. Uh, I can't remember, but he, uh, they defended it well and blocked Kane out, which they did for most of the game. <clears throat> And then, um, obviously, time and time again, we seem to just be having moves break down, especially where we look like we could potentially stretch Brentford out wide. Um, let's see, the next substitution was Lucas Mora on for Emerson. Um, I think it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, quite late in the game as well, I think. Boy. Um, what more can we say? You know, he, he, he didn't that. even didn't even get on Berg, Bergwijn. I, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. Like he, one thing about Conte, it doesn't seem to me that like he's that reactive as a manager. I feel like he's extremely trusting of his of his methods, and he almost feels that like almost like you know. Give it time. Be patient. Your time will come. Your moment will come. And sometimes, like like we spoke about last week, there are moments where you do need some, maybe something a bit different. If it, even if it is a change, a quick change or slight tweak, maybe in formation or the style of player, or even like maybe just the movements that you want the players to make. And I feel like you knew it was going to be difficult against these guys. It's a different type of opposition than Brighton was. And the game is still, you know, there for the taking. The two substitutions, they don't really feel that positive to me. The reason I say that is because, one, it was for it was for a defender, which almost looked like he was just replacing Sessegnon and moving um, Davies. But then it almost felt like the attacking one was made too late. I think it was in the 85th, 86th minute. So it wasn't really, didn't really give... Um, Lucas, the time to kind of get into the game to kind of cause enough problems. I just, I don't know. I feel like he needs to be a little bit more proactive. A little bit more proactive. He's not. It doesn't seem like to me he's he's that reactive as a manager. He doesn't. He doesn't look at things and think, okay, I need to change this because of this. He kind of trusts his methods and wants to kind of see his methods just be, just go through the motions, go through the paces, and if it works, it works. Personally, I don't know. I don't like using this 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 term 
managers should have plan B. I don't think that is, I don't think many managers do. Most of the top managers, they play the way they play and they are successful playing the way they play. Klopp doesn't really have a plan B. Pep doesn't really have a plan B. For years, Mourinho didn't really have a plan B either. So this notion that he has to play a, a different type of way, mm, I don't I don't really agree with it, but I also kind of feel that in some moments he should be prepared to change it if it means it's enough to win the game. I hear it. Um, it's an interesting example on Klopp because I feel like he used to take Firmino off quite a lot for a more direct approach with bringing on someone like Origi and now in more recent times, uh, Yotta and now... Um, that yes. Colombian guy that rejected us, but yeah, I'm not too. I'm actually not hurt about that. But yeah, I just want to be a little bit petty. Um, I just went back to double check. Um, the minute Lucas Moore came on, and yeah, you're not wrong. Um, yeah, I, I think he's almost just too react. Well, not he's just not proactive. So obviously, we needed something, and I, you're always going to be desperate when you're bringing on someone like Lucas Moura, who is just essentially someone who's just going to roll a dice and do what he wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came on in the 86th minute, which is insane. Um, so even if he was actually a good player, you're not you're not going to be able to get much out of him. Whereas you've brought on another player actually that late in the game before, and he's managed to pop up with two goals in the 90th minute. Um, you've got a player in, in Belfine who has actually come on and had good cameos for you. He's his play style is suit it suits a combination style of play. It suits Conte's patterns. He's even come out in press conferences saying he likes him. And look, don't get me wrong, I respect people's opinions when they say how good they think Bergfine is, whether they think he's poo, shit, good, good potential, great, whatever. Um all I know is whatever you think of Bergvine, he is better than Lucas Moore. He just is. 100%. And when you've had someone who's had go like I could even list off the games, like he's had minimal opportunities, but he had a good game against West Ham in the cup. Uh he had a good cameo at home to Newcastle where Conte was actually celebrating as he picked up the ball to go for one goal. Yeah. Because he was that happy and that confident he was gonna score. Obviously, mm-hmm. the Leicester game. Um and as he's been doing well on international duty as well. So it's weird to me when you've got someone who's actually shown tangible qualities in recent times. Uh, being He's essentially being benched over someone who's useless, has autism. A loose cannon. You know, effectively, he's a loose cannon. You don't know what you do not know what you're going to get. You could get a goal, you could get an assist, but you could get seven, eight heavy touches and uh, dispossessions, you know, like. Like he could have gone also. Um, <laughs> we've obviously spoken in the group chat as well about my um, my willingness to want to have Decky win back, and <laughs> he did go to win back in that game. But also in the last game, Kulisevsky played win back was away to Burnley, and he was also joined by Bergvine, who played on the left. Yeah, I don't know with with the lack of threat from Brentford coming down that right-hand side. And I know hindsight's a beautiful thing. What With an extra sub, which you didn't use, why not just throw on Bergvine to, to go for the win? He's going to help link up play with, with Son, who actually likes to chill out in that left channel, keep him further up the pitch and um, hopefully get the ball to him through there. Because it, it, it was never going to come through 
we're never going to get a goal, I don't think, since you're playing Ben Davis wingback. Never. Even though he was mm. an improvement on Sessegnon in that game. Um, it was just weird. So there was a comment which came out um, recently, and I don't like these little leaks, but it was just interesting where he's apparently been caught saying, oh, I turn back, I look at the bench, and I just look back at the pitch. Like, cool, we, we know we're not a good side. We know we're not we're not a good or great side. That's fine, but at the same time, are you utilizing the squad to the best of your ability or to the best of their abilities? I mean, Owen, I'm not gonna lie, brother. <laughs> if I was on that touch, if that if I was in that dugout and and I turned around and I saw uh, regular Don, Bonehead. Uh, Mr. Dripple Drown. Uh, he's just Harry, so shit. Harry I cannot. Stings. I'm sorry. I just can't get over how shit Lucas Moore is now. <laughs> well, like, no, like he's I'm always been lie, shit, man. but he is just so so. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. If I was that, if I was, if I was Conte, I would be thinking exactly the same thing. But at this point, like people want him. This is what this is. See, this is why I feel it's like guilt edged because people want him to to be a coach, to utilise the players you have. But sometimes you just have to accept that what Conte wants them to do, some of them are just not capable of doing it. So why is he going to put his trust in people he doesn't already trust? I, I don't know. I, I, sometimes it, it baffles me that people are like, oh, OK, it's different maybe with Burge because he's actually said, this is a player that I like. This is a player that can play up front. This is a player that I want to give the opportunities and more game time. And with the game time he's given them, he's repaid his faith. With some of the others, I can, I can, I can totally get it. I can totally get it. Look at, look at the hall of shame, the hall of shame cameos that we've seen in in the past from from Lucas. Nothing is telling me that he's suddenly going to just come on and turn it on week in week out. He just isn't. He just isn't. And it's funny as well because now we've got someone like Decky. It actually drives home how poor a player Lucas is, and how little, or how many, how little qualities he has compared to someone who's actually like fairly technically accomplished, is very good positionally, is very good at linking play, and is also a goal threat, a consistent goal threat. Yeah, it's tough times. It's tough times. Um, we're, we're just not a goal threat at all, unfortunately, um, at the moment. Um, just compounded by, um, we'll see zero goals in two games after being, I think it was the highest um, prem scoring team in 2022. So yeah, the drop off has been a bit mad. Um, been very mad. Coupled very with mad. Conte not being as proactive as I think he could have been. Um, I, I obviously I'm not one of those that's on Twitter saying he should just change his formation completely. But boy, if there was a game to have uh, a proactive tweet, uh, tweak, especially just a bit earlier on in the game, like 65th, 70th minute, it was that game. And it was evident, like we were sustaining pressure really well in that second half. We just couldn't capitalize on any of the spaces um, as few and far between as they actually did come. But there we go. Um, but yeah, moving swiftly on, we had to obviously get into some more news. Obviously, uh, Oliver Skip signed his new contract um, in around that time, and he's just had surgery. 
um, after what's been um, a bit of a saga for him. I mean, how long has he been injured for? It's like two, three months with this groin strain. Yeah, where they've been, been like been injured since the end. Uh, so he last featured as a sub um, away to Brighton, which I think was at the end at the end of January. I think madness. Um, yeah, it's it's such a huge amount of time to be injured for them to only decide for him to have surgery now. Um, medical team coming under the lights, I think. Well, man, I mean, I don't know, man. You, you, you're hearing some of the things coming out of the club and then you're starting to put some pieces together about how, you know, players are being managed. Um, not too long ago, I used to see Le Celso on the bench or not playing all the time. All the time. Injuries, injuries, injuries. I'd now turn on my TV on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday night and he's at Anfield playing in the Champions League looking fit as a fiddle. Uh, I get some random sound bites uh, from uh, La Liga about uh, Lamella performing at a good level with no injuries, not that many injuries. Uh, I don't know. It, it almost Actually, feels... I, I do think Lamella had quite a big injury, to be fair. Again, <laughs> I just, I just think that like I'm not sure what they're doing there, and I'm not going to question anyone's medical ability. I'm not, but it is a bit sus that some of the stuff that's coming out. Conte maybe not being informed about certain things, the medical team maybe making some mistakes. Um, you know, the last thing you want to do is to hinder the, not even just like the ability, but the physical status of like a player, especially a young player, you know? Oh, I don't know. Um, from, from what Conte said, uh, you know, he sees him as an important player and it's obviously good that we've managed to give him a new contract. And I just hope that, you know, now that the surgery's done, he can just get back to, you know, getting himself fit and then moving on to, like, next season. Because I think at the end of last season, he had a similar sort of situation where he pretty much finished the league season with Norwich. And then I think on the last day, he might have done something to his, his, his ankle or to his toe, something like this. It was a foot injury anyway. And he ended up basically having surgery for that and then missing... The early part of the preseason, and then being back for the for the latter part of the preseason. So, hopefully, um, he can just uh, hit the ground running, get get some rest, and then come back for the preseason, um, fit and ready to go. But it does make you question maybe some of the some of the decision making that is uh, happening down at Hotspur Way. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. No, it's facts. It's facts. It's it's unfortunate for Skip as well. So obviously that's confirmed he's out for the rest of the season. He'll be a big miss for the running. He's a midfielder we've probably needed in the recent weeks, even if he was just to come on for the last like 20, 25 minutes. Um, would more than see out again because I think we've seen a slight drop off from Ben Tanker recently. Um yeah, we need to keep him on his toes as well. So yeah, we definitely missed that option to to potentially come into the team. Um, agreed, agreed, agreed. I see some other news in the last few days. I see there's been a lot of rumours about Conte again. Uh, Jay Spurs has commented he's uh, running from the grind. Um, <laughs> yeah, it sounded like one of his reps had spoken to. Um, a rep of PSG was just essentially saying, you know, we might be available to, to come and join. And then 
and then it came out that Conte is not even their first choice. Zidane is, and he's come out in the press conference today and um, went full Donald Trump and just called it fake news. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's funny, really. It's funny, really, because I don't know, like this social media. Some of it is just it's becoming a bit of a bit of a circus in many respects, and obviously as well as Spurs fans. Uh, we're constantly, constantly, constantly hearing different things, with, whether it be regards to management, whether it be regards to how um, the higher management in the club is done or whether it's been regards to transfers. And like sometimes I think after a while, you just have to take a little bit, you have to take it with like a pinch of salt. I kind of feel like Conte has kind of made it clear in the past that, you know, this is where he is completely concentrated. This is where he's at right now. And, you know, we're obviously trying to get ourselves to the top four, which is something he said from the very beginning has been his aim. Um... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And I feel like maybe the timing of um, all, the, all the news coming out from PSG um, with regards to Poch, and obviously the fact that, you know, potentially this top four run, this top four running could be a, a stretch too far for us. People are almost looking for uh, means to, to almost say, OK, you know what, let's just let's just kind of propose or let's just put out this information that, yeah, probably Conte might want to go. Probably Conte, you know, doesn't want to be there. Um, he's got better options. And I just think it's kind of just, it's kind of silly, like, you know, if we're looking in the bigger picture, uh, and another big bit of news this week was that, um, you know, quite a famous uh, football agent uh, suffered uh, a big health situation this week in which it was claimed that he'd, he'd, he'd even passed. <laughs> and it was obviously uh, came to known that he hadn't. So I feel it's kind of just crazy that you know, people are taking this information and sometimes you, I don't think this information should be taken as as um, scripture unless, you know, it literally is coming from the horse's mouth. Well, uh, yeah, moment, I feel I feel like the head of Italian journalism, absolutely, he must be Paul Bearer. I, I don't know who else he could be because Paul Bearer is just sitting there stroking an urn and giving out all these weird stories about Mino and uh and now potentially Conte uh leaving to PSG. Um Jay Spurs actually prompted um me to think about something. So say for example or hypothetically Spurs don't finish in the top four and Conte does then leave, is he running from the grind? Because I, I feel like he knew what he signed up for, to be honest. I don't know what he would have been watching to think that we didn't need work enough to extend beyond 
uh, the end of this season. Um, so. No, I, like if if I'm honest with you, no, I wouldn't say he'd be running from the grind. Wouldn't he? Because well, like to be honest with you, I actually think Owen, and I really do mean this. I think his biggest issue is not the team and the challenge. I think his biggest issue is Daniel Levy and getting what he wants to be able to compete. I I, I really believe he's probably looked at this season and thought, I've taken them from the depths of nothing to something. And actually, that's good in itself. That's a massive achievement if we're looking at achievements in the smaller sort of term. But actually, there's probably stuff I can do with this team. There's probably things that I can change. There's probably things that I can improve, which he's already done in the space of what we, we would say would be about two-thirds of the season. And if anything, we're five games to go. We're pretty much at the pinnacle of getting top four. However, I actually believe, I don't know, this is just my personal belief, his biggest issue is with Daniel Levy and whether Daniel Levy can provide what he needs to be able to compete. And I'm not just get to top four, but to genuinely compete, be it for cups or be it for even pushing for like a like almost like a title run. And that is where I feel the issue with Conte and whether he will be there at the end of the season or not, that's where I think the biggest issue is. I, I, I believe that like considering with the team that we the squad that we have and the way that we've put sort of results together and even using the two signings that we've done. I think he's done a fairly decent job. I mean, honestly, I didn't ever think, based on the start of the season that we had, we could ever be in the in this position. And I really do mean that. So the fact that he's managed to get us to this point, I think is a big thing. I, I also kind of think as well that, like, he's no idiot. He's no mug. He, he can't honestly think for, what, double the paycheck and an unlimited checkbook that suddenly PSG is going to be any easier than Spurs. If anything, it's going to be more egos, more amount of pressure, more players to try and motivate. And it's a completely different league, which he's probably going to be able to win, just like Poch has done. So that means the next pressure that would come from him would be, can he perform in the Champions League? As Conte, as a manager, he's never performed in the Champions League. So then what would be his, what would be his actual gains from making the move? Uh, so I don't know. In my opinion, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it would be him running from the ground. And I would, I would only say it would be that case if he had had categorical information saying that actually he won't be backed in the summer. Fair enough. Um, yeah, it remains to be seen. I think he will be backed in the summer purely because I think Levy's backed himself up against the wall. He's given himself no choice but to back, obviously not just Conte, but Paratigi who um, has so far actually looking like he's done some good work with the team. Um, he's been accountable in interviews as well. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. I don't think Conte's ever joined a ready-made team like PSG. He actually seems to like the grind, um, based on, obviously, previous evidence that Juventus' team were a little bit mm, weird before he took over. That Italy team was trash when he took over. Uh, the Inter team were only just competing for Champions League in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, for Champions League places anyway, not for the actual Champions League. Um, you could maybe say Chelsea was ready-made because they had a good squad, but yeah, they had just finished something like 10th the year before. Yeah. 
And then um managed to sign Conte and essentially just storm it. Um, yeah, I think he's a manager who prefers to grind, but yeah, let's just hope that Levy's kind of true to his word and does back him whether we finish top four or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my personal opinion is I think Levy is going to back him, and if he still walks, then yeah, I, I, I can't th- I can't think of anything else other than he is running from the grind because really and truly he he did sign up for it. But um, you're right, he did. It'll be an he interesting did. summer to be honest because the overhaul is looking massive um, as we planned it to be last summer. Also, um, as well, we can't forget Owen that you know. He signed an 18-month contract. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so... As long as he sees up that tenure, I'm content. But if he's leaving early from that, I don't know, I can't respect it. But I think that's part and parcel because he's got very high expectations and wages. So he's got very high wages and very high expectations to meet that. I feel like um, Levy's kind of given the club a bit of protection if he... Uh, kicks up a fuss like Mourinho did because I think the uh, I think we're paying the price a little bit from obviously sacking Pochettino and then sacking the high paid manager like Mourinho so yeah. we don't want to mm-hmm. put ourselves in the position where we're paying off another big contract a, a, another big one yeah exactly exactly especially um, I think at the time as well Covid regulations were still a little bit like they weren't really concise and there wasn't really much clarity of what was going to happen um, going forward. So committing to Conte's wages might have been a bit dodgy, but I think we're all, we're looking all right now, to be fair. Um, but yeah, he, he came out and quashed those, um, quashed those rumours in the press conference earlier, called it fake news, and we move. Um so, you know, we got the game against Leicester on the weekend. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or how are you uh, how are you feeling about this one? Because honestly, I'm I'm quietly confident myself. But how are you feeling going into it? And would you change anything in the lineup? That's not a very loaded question, as uh, as David <laughs> Sire would have you believe in the group. By the way, um... maybe a little bit. <laughs> Uh, this weekend, yeah, similarly, similarly to you, quietly confident. Um, at this point, honestly, Owen, it is what it is with regards to this season. Five games left, and unfortunately, you know, the Premier League does kind of pull up crazy results every week. Arsenal ended up losing three out of four, and then beating two teams which we never thought that they could, they could, they could beat the way they did. We ended up having a good run of six or seven games in a row to then lose um, a ridiculous game to, to Brighton and then to lose, oh, well, to draw away to Brentford. So I'm quietly confident just because we're home. Um, not only are we home, Kane has a very good record against Leicester. Um, I've watched Leicester the last couple of weeks and they've been okay. They've been okay. Um, I thought that they were like just okay against uh, Villa at the weekend. Um, I thought Villa really should have just taken a lot of chances that they did. That's one thing that that, that Leicester do do, actually. They do tend to give up chances, um, but then they are quite lucky that in the final third, they have players 
of some quality. Um, I think Lookman's a decent player. They've been playing Daka, um, who looks okay. Madison's always, you know, is always going to be a uh, a jack in the cards. And uh, that Dewsbury, Dewsbury Hall, he looks good, and so does Barnes. You know, so there's there's players that 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 can uh, that can definitely trouble us. Um, I didn't think that they were that impressive last night against Roma, although Fort Mourinho kind of set up in a way kind of similar to how Premier League teams would do so against them away from home. Um, but I feel like maybe this game, with nothing for them to play and for a lot for us to play, with a crowd behind us, Kane probably desperate for a goal, Son probably desperate for a goal. Um, I think maybe we, we will probably just nick this one just to get ourselves back on track. With an unchanged lineup from Brentford, or um, Regulon, Regulon, or Seth. I think Regulon's injured. Oh, okay then. Uh, then if if it if it is, then yeah, it will be an unchanged team. Um, I feel like, as well, based on the presser that he put out today, he again feels like when you play a certain way and you train a certain way and you give the, the players method to what you're doing, it kind of just defeats the point of preparing and getting yourselves ready with this style to then suddenly change it, you know, at some point in the season, especially at like an important part of the season. So I imagine he's probably going to go with the same team um, and not really change it unless he absolutely has to. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I think playing Leicester are going to suit us um, due to a number of factors, to be fair. Obviously, they just played in midweek. Um, we should be able to have um, a high level of intensity because we've actually got something to play for in the league. Mm-hmm. Leicester do not. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll they will probably look to come on to us. Obviously, they're very good at keeping the ball. Um, but again, I think they'll... Uh, come on to us and give us a little bit of space in behind, which we should, on paper, be be able to exploit. Um, but at the same time, maybe, I mean, I think Leicester are doing a little bit of revenge on us, hopefully not, but they'll be pissed that we ruined their top four chances last year, last game of the season. They'll be pissed at what we did to them at their ground in the 90th minute. Mm-hmm. Um, Kasper Schmeichel probably sick of the sight of us. Nah, I'm still confident though, and I think it's time for for a little bit of a change in the tweak at right wing back. To be honest, um, and I've been kind of feeding this prop <laughs> gradually more um, over the past few weeks. Of time, it was only a matter of time, Owen. Conte did say in his press conference earlier, and I'll obviously try and frame this as best I can without any kind of bias, but he. Um, he was asked about any potential tweaks to his his team and his system and potentially even that win back. And he was saying, yeah, we've got Emerson who plays there. He's been doing fine. I think he alluded to him playing well, which is with... Uh, even though he... Do you know what? Emerson's overdue a comp, you know. I, I kind of miss his <laughs> compilations because it means we, we won. And you'd get those little, like, free clips of him having, like, free touches in the game. Ah. It was like, it was brilliant. Absolutely shameless. Utterly, <laughs> utterly shameless. I, I got called shameless in the chat, and you've got like Emerson who's hired a media guy to make comps of three touches in the game from a win. 
it, it's it's insane. Um, nasty. but no, proper nasty man, proper nasty. He alluded to Emerson being first choice, and then he said he's got Sessignon who can play there. Who I think he'll he'll probably just be deployed on the left, and um, Decky who can also play there. Mm-hmm, um, and uh, to be honest, I want to see Kulusevski there and Bergvine come into the front line. Um, if Deki dropping to wing back means Lucas Mora comes into the front line again, then just end the season right now. <laughs> Arsenal will get fourth, and mm. that's what we deserve if we keep on trusting this guy. But Deki, someone like all the things you said Emerson's not earlier I was just thinking oh, okay Decky can do that Decky can do that Decky can do that like he's press resistant check retains possession he moves us up the pitch with incisive progressive passes check check he can take some of that creative burden off Kane by just picking the ball up in those deeper positions in midfield um, he can even use his right foot. Like people always think, like he's just going to come on his left. Where we've actually seen mm. him take the ball in his right foot quite a lot. Mm. Um, he mm. can dribble mm. past a man as well, which is lacking in most of our squad, actually. So obviously, our, our system relies on us being able to put ourselves in positions through through combination play. But yeah, mm. we'd be quite limited against teams who can set up well when we can't dribble past anyone to actually take them out of their own shape um yeah Deki can do that and most importantly he can defend um in my eyes anyway he's got a pretty decent work rate he can cover big space as well he seems good in duels so yeah, yeah I, i'm obviously aware of the threat of i think harvey barnes and lookman are playing particularly well at the moment for leicester and they're getting some good form Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Madison and the senior men in Nacho are probably their biggest threats for me, but uh, generally, I just think they're quite blunt in attack, and I think we can afford to have an extra attacker in the wing back position. The, um, it's, it's funny though, you say, because they've got a, they've got a wide breadth of attackers. Like, if we're talking about first team attackers that are that were available as of uh midweek against Roma, Vardy. Lookman, Patson Daka, Ayose Perez, Kelechi and Nacho, Jamie Fardy. I do, I do like Daka and I, I genuinely still think we should have snapped him up, but he hasn't really um, got in a stride yet. Like he's shown glimpses of his quality, but he hasn't quite put together that kind of finished article for me. Um, yeah, he's, again, he's, he's a, a good young pro. I think it's just, uh, I think it was well. He's like maybe third in the pecking order at the moment, um, behind obviously Vardy and Kelechi and Acho, and they, they don't really use him or they won't operate him as a like a wing forward the way they use Albrighton, Perez, Lookman, and Barnes. So, be interesting to see. Be interesting hmm. to see. They've got lots yeah. of. This is it? They're lucky. They've got lots of attacking players, and all of them have been available recently. Anyway, um, Vardy's recently come back from injury, so. Um, that gives them that uh, mm. bluntish, bluntish knife edge um, to, to to fall back on. No, that's fair. That's fair. And again, I, I'm still quietly confident in this game. Um, I think it'll be a fairly high-scoring game again. Um, 
like it has been the last few times we've played Leicester. It has been, yeah. Well, most of the games we've seen to play Leicester, it's been high scoring. So with that lineup, and I see we've still got options on the bench in that bonehead and potentially even Scarlet, like you might as well use him at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I think we're going to run out winning 3 1. Um, I think we're probably just going to nick it. Maybe like mm. uh, 1-0 or 2-1 just to kind of get that that monkey off our backs. Um, and then we can start thinking about um, the following week against Liverpool. But yeah, I think it'll be, a, it'll be a tight game. I just feel like if we don't score early, unfortunately, the crowd who have been kind of frustrated at the moment will get, they, they really will get kind of frustrated and kind of Tetchy if we don't get an early goal. Um, but I think it will be a tight one. It'll be a tight Spurs win. Mm. You know, and one thing as well, I just really want the big players to just arrive. It's so important that like you get to the latter part of the season, the most important part of the season, and you you know, your players who are supposed to be your big players are the ones that arrive and those ones that play well because it's all well scoring, you know, hat tricks against against uh, bottom feeders or games that don't really matter. But it, this is the business end of the season. This is why you know they play at the highest level. And I just really need the big players, not just the t- not just the attacking players, but the big players in the team, the big characters who just perform at the required level to get us through these five games, like by crook. Or crown, we need to get through these next five games, and we need to start on Saturday, Sunday. Excuse me, Sunday. For sure, um, it's such a must win as well. Like we, I think we can firmly say goodbye to top four if we end up losing this game. Um, but yeah, by all means, we we should be winning. We should be winning, and um, yeah, that that concludes the end of the pods. Um, so take two tops. Thank you for joining <laughs> us tonight. Uh-huh. Um, Thanks a lot, Owen. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Much appreciated, pal. Sh- uh, shout out to the um, Spurs five-a-side team who played Chelsea Hour uh, on the weekend as well. I think it was a bit of a drumming that uh, we finally got our first win. Yeah. we. That sounds our, of it. Our, our boys pummed them into a different oblivion, which was good. Uh, completely slap them up, which is nice to get points on the board finally. Slap them. And uh, yeah, game against Cop End coming up, I think, is the next fixture, which uh, should be interesting. And um, what was the other bit of housekeeping I was going to do? I'm so bad at this housekeeping thing. But yeah, well, again, um, thank you for joining us once again. We, uh, we decided to stream on the Friday instead of the Thursday. We took a couple of takes due to some tech issues but yeah we managed it we got the podcast out uh tomorrow morning being the saturday morning so yeah again listen out for us um catch us on twitter at new spurs order catch us on instagram new spurs order and until uh the next stream and the next audio form pod peace and come on you spurs come on you spurs wow 
Sports Social Podcast Network.